Hey guys, welcome to week three of the Rethink Movement podcast. I uh, just wanted to quickly introduce this one. Today we're going to be talking about reliance, all things from relying on uh, passive modalities to questioning our own biases, biases a little bit um, with reliance on exercise and how we can potentially be better in what we do. Um, I think it's a really cool uh, episode. We're both really happy with how it turned out. Um, I just wanted to quickly address one thing that I kind of alluded to last week. Um, we know that there is a little bit of background noise every now and then you can hear us in the car or the blinker or something. Unfortunately, at this point in time, the only free time we have in our week at the moment is while we're both driving uh, to and from work at Belmore Stadium. So we're recording these podcasts then at the moment. Um, and that's going to be the current situation, at least for the next nine weeks. Uh, and after that, hopefully we can clean it up a bit. Last week I had headphones, Adrian was on Bluetooth. This week Adrian had headphones, I was on Bluetooth. So hopefully next week we're both organized and we both had headphones and that sorts a little bit of the, the noise out. Um, but we do know it's there and we would love to to fix it. But like I said, you know, we're doing this as more of a passion project, uh, not as something to make, you know, make an income from or, or anything like that. So we're just, you know, we, we can only really afford to do it in our, our free time, um, which unfortunately we're both a little bit time poor at the moment. Um, but enjoy the episode, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and as always, any questions, suggestions, um, comments or feedback, at rethink.mvmnt, uh, at mitchgibbs.aes, and at, I think it's a Calderola AEP. There's an underscore in there somewhere, but I'll, uh, I'll tag his page um, so you guys know as well. Uh, thanks, guys. I hope you enjoy. Hey, guys, and welcome to episode three of the Rethink Movement. Um, this week, we're going to be chatting about reliance, uh, reliance on all different types of uh, modalities within the, the kind of wheelhouse of pain, um, uh, not just pain, but just, you know, exercise in general. Uh, as always, I'm here with Adrian. Hey, guys. Welcome and, to uh, our third week of this podcast. We've made it again. <laughs> Here for another week. It's uh, a little bit different this week. Usually we're driving to work. At the moment we're driving home from work. So it's yeah. one of this, uh, you know, is a bit slurry with our words. We've, um, we've we've both finished a long day, so we'll, we'll, we'll try our best nonetheless. Though. That's it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get stuck, uh, stuck straight into it. Um, so I think, first of all, I'll just kind of introduce it and then I'll get both throw to Adrian for, for a little bit of his observations on the fact. Um, this is something I've kind of chatted about uh, on a podcast, which I was a, a guest on, um, that was probably the part of that podcast that was most well received. So I thought we'd expand on it a little more. Um, so we're going to, as I said, deal with the deal with reliance. So. The example I used on the other podcast was when we're looking at something like foam rolling or stretching or, or some ritual um, that someone might use prior to, to training or in and around training. Um, and I think there's been a lot of misconception in that, you know, 
a lot of these things in the necessity of them. Um, a lot of times they're not necessary. Uh, but as I've said before, we're not going to get into the research behind any of this stuff. That can be, uh, you know, evaluated on plenty of other podcasts. So what we're going to do is, is tackle this from a different perspective. So let's start with foam rolling uh, and talk about, and then we'll, we'll branch out to other things from there. So we might just talk about kind of, you know, I guess we'll throw to Adrian first up, you know, what, what have you seen when people walk into the gym or the clinic and, you know, they've got this ritual of they need to spend, you know, 30 minutes rolling all these different things before they train, um, you know, what's, what's your kind of thoughts before we get into the reliance side of things? Um, yeah, so, yeah, obviously we both worked in commercial gym for a few years, number of years, um, and then also in the clinic in the last couple of years I've noticed um, yeah, you tend to yeah, see these people go through their their sort of, I guess you call them a ritual, where they they can't do a squat or a bench press or a deadlift unless they release their hips, warmed up their glutes, activated their glutes, all that sort of stuff before they can sort of get into some sort of ritual. Obviously, those exercises and those warm-up rituals have their place. Um particularly in the, um, I guess, pre or rehab, early stage rehab sort of setting. But when these people are in just the, I guess, age, they feel like they're able to squat 100 kilos yes, by getting their booty bands <laughs> out and doing, doing 100 clams and 500 crab walks. And they basically just fatigue their glutes before they can even get to their maximum lift. <laughs> so it's quite interesting to see where, like, you've got, yeah, this huge jack guy who's been squatting for a number of years. They might have had an injury earlier in their, in their I guess, lifting time frame, and then all of a sudden they've just just relied on that. So um, I There's heaps of research into work, and um, I guess, yeah, when it comes to it, yeah, I think we went through a black spot. Yeah, a, go, go, maybe go back for what you just said. Anyway, like I'll continue on. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, so like you've got someone that's squatted for a number of years, squatting over 100, maybe 200 kilos. And you, you find them that they're still trying to use this booty band. Is it really changing their performance? Is it really having a benefit to them? I guess if you sort of get got them to question that and see if they could perform with or without it, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I guess in the clinic, in the clinical setting, it's a little bit different. Whereas we've got people that have been inactive, deconditioned for a number of years or decades in some cases. So these sort of warm-up exercises do have some form of benefit initially when they first come in. But then over time, again, I ch- tend to try phase them out and get them straight into their lifting or straight into their, yes. their the main body of the exercises. I mean, if in most situations, if your warm-up and your, I guess, your, your mobility exercise, all that's longer than your actual training session, you probably have to review your training session because... Um, 
yeah, you don't want to be spending yeah, 45 minutes warming everything up. Because by the time you train, you actually got cold probably. So, you, um, yeah, you want to focus more on the, the, the actual movement. And I guess, yeah, Mitch can sort of uh, go on further from that. Um, I guess we've seen in the, um, in the study that we've done that we're, we're not really doing any of these warm-up exercises. It's basically ease into lifting until they get to their, the rep range that they have to hit. They do that fine, so um, I guess that's a, it's just an interesting perspective on it, a bit more of a practical perspective on it, where you're you're seeing that, that yeah, these people are still able to achieve something without spending their, their half an hour warming up. Yeah, I thought uh, yeah, like Back to you, definitely Mitch. agree with with everything you said. I think the the two things I'll kind of carry on um, would be so first of all, you know. The reality performance-based is we don't have a, a metric to say, yes, this does increase performance. If anything, we know that it very likely uh, does not uh, increase uh, performance. Um, you know, there, there's no, no difference. There was one study um, that showed an increase in glute activation during the squat uh, after doing... Uh, you know, these quote-unquote glute activation drills. Uh, but this was in a geriatric population. So we're talking 70-plus-year-olds who are physically inactive. Uh, so my response to that paper is like, well, no shit. Um, and trying to extrapolate that to a performance context is the most ridiculous thing yeah. I've ever heard. Uh, the second thing which we're going to get from, you know, people initially, yeah. like everyone listening to this is going, well, what about the psychological component? You know, what about the, the readiness to train? What about the... Um, you know, at that, that time, you get in the gym, you get in the zone, you know, the readiness to, to lift heavy. Uh, and, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I have to agree with that. I think, and that's, for me, that's where where these, you know, let's let's term them kind of passive modalities. Uh, I think that's where they have their place. Um, however, what I really wanted to, to talk about in this podcast is what, what Adrian and I have chatted a lot off, off air about um, in many conversations over the years is... When we have these beliefs, you know, if, if we take this into two contexts, it's exactly the same. If we have this belief that if we don't do this, we're not physically prepared to, to execute our workout, um, you know, or we might get injured. Or, you know, if Adrian, as Adrian said, you know, if we don't uh, release our hips, uh, whatever the hell that means, um, you know, we might hurt our back. Uh, you know, if it's someone who's had back pain, these, these beliefs are very ingrained. Um, but very much still, if it's someone who has never had a history of back pain, but they're under the belief and the assumption of, well, if I don't do this, then, then I may hurt myself. And this is where the reliance um, issue comes in, is that, you know, what happens in that one day where you're running late to the gym? Uh, you've got to squeeze your workout into 45 minutes, uh, you know, rather than an hour 15. So you don't have the time to... Uh, to go through these routines, you know, what happens then? And, you know, it's kind of like, well, the, the, the way I always term it is these things apply and these passive modalities, these, these readiness kind of modalities, we'll call them, I guess, um, are fine. But my question is, if I take it away from you, are you still okay? Uh, if I take it away from you and you're worried, you're nervous, you're cautious, you're uneasy, you're hesitant um, that's when it could potentially cause issues 
Uh, and what I mean by this is a very simple exercise I do with some people. If anyone listening, pause the podcast and actually do this, and you'll know what I mean. Um, you know, most people will hold their keys, like car keys, house keys, multiple times a day. Now, I want you to pause the podcast, I want you to close your eyes, hold your keys, and for about 30 seconds, I want you to physically hold your keys with your eyes closed and out loud describe the intricacy of how uh, detailed you feel your keys. Uh, are they cold? Are they, are they sharp? Are they jagged? Is it plastic? Is it metal? Etc. Etc. and go on. And after you've done this, uh, hopefully you've, you've now paused the podcast and restarted. Uh, after now finishing this, now think to yourself, when you just walk to your car to, to go for a drive, do you feel your keys in that detail? And you're obviously going to realize the answer is not. Now, if I have someone who has a history of back pain or even someone who doesn't but have the belief of, if I don't foam roll for my squats, I'm going to hurt my back, they get late to the gym. They don't get to foam roll. In their mind, they're thinking, well, I'm now going to hurt my back. They now go from holding the keys as if they're going to their car to going into a state of hypervigilance where they're constantly, consciously amplifying everything they feel. Now, if we strip this back to a, to a nervous system level, noxious stimulus, uh, these peripheral nociceptors, the nerves that are going to be sending these things to the brain, these messages, one of the things they respond to is mechanical stimulus. If you're getting under a bar and squatting, that is by definition a mechanical stimulus. So you've got a mechanical stimulus in a hypervigilant state. You know, we're setting someone up for, you know, we're setting someone up for, you know, pain provocation. Uh, we're setting someone up for a flare-up in this instance. Um, that's that's my little little rant on, on that topic. It's not that I'm saying that foam rolling's bad. It's not that I'm saying don't do it. I think it has its place as much as the next person. Uh, I don't think it has... The, yeah, exactly right. I don't think it has the physical... Yeah. And most things do. That, ...that everyone says it That's does. right. Most but, of these yeah. things do. Well, what are your thoughts <clears> on that little... No. Idea? Yeah. I guess... I guess like most things these days, they they show some form of benefit and people just take it to the other end of the spectrum and and then become reliant on it, I guess, like we've spoken about earlier. So it's finding, a, I guess, a healthy balance between being able to decide when and when you need to use it, when and when you feel like it's the right time to use it and when, when you feel like you can... Um, and when you, you can... Get on with your exercise. Get on with your your session without having to to use these sorts of things. I guess it's just another tool. It's not like, I guess it's like a trader doesn't use all these tools in one day. I guess this is like, I guess all these sort of modalities, if be it foam rolling, I guess a trigger point releasing, passive stretching, uh, I guess PNF stretching, massage. They're all just tools that you can use before, after your session, in your recovery but they shouldn't be something that you need to use every session, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, like I said, we got all these tools. we got a toolbox. doesn't mean we need to use every tool for every session. We've got to pick and choose the right ones at the right time, I guess. Um, so that's, uh, and that's how I approach my, I guess, um, basically programming a clinic is, okay, person's feeling X, Y, Z, and then we need to get the appropriate tools. So 
and then sort of educate them behind why we're doing this and understand that this is not something they need to do every every time, but it's something that it's going to help benefit them for this session at, at, at this point in time, but it's not something they need to do. Um, in the past, we've had people where they feel like they can't start their session unless they've done a trigger point release from their head to their toes, okay? Maybe early stages have helped a little bit, but now they're, they're beyond that point. They're strong enough. They probably don't even have any issues there. Yeah. Probably didn't really have any issues there at the start if, but they've just ingrained this belief that they can't do anything unless they've done this releasing before. Okay. And like I said, don't get me wrong, it does have its place, but yeah, you shouldn't spend yeah, twenty minutes of your time before a session. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, my perspective from like a yeah, I guess a, a clinic or practical point of view. It's yeah. We have these we all have these variety of things we can use, we just gotta use them appropriately and at the Perfect. right time. We don't have to yeah. yeah. Use them every time. I think that's probably the best way to summarise it. That was uh, it's that just was another tool to our toolkit. I think um, that's that. I'll, I'll push the next <clears> question <throat> to you in a minute, um, but I think I just want to say one more thing, uh, which is not to kind of add yep. anything. It's more, you know, we, we've called this the um, we've called this the rethink movement. So hopefully, this this next little comment will get a few people to rethink a few things if they're not already thinking it. Um, I, I just want anyone listening to this. If you're thinking about these modalities like foam rolling, things like that, we're talking about, and you're still thinking like, oh, but maybe you know there, there is some benefit. Maybe it makes my you know fascia do X, Y, or Z, or, or whatever you might be thinking. The forces that are going to be uh, applied to your body from rolling around on a piece of foam, if that force was enough to change the structural. What would happen every time we walked? Rolling on a piece of foam or PVC. So if we could change the structural properties of our tissue. Oh, I lost you. Okay. Oh, I'm back. Yep. You there? All right. I'll hopefully be able to fix that. Uh, what, what was the last thing uh, you applying thought? enough force to the tissue. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if a piece of foam was or PVC was applying enough force uh, to a tissue to legitimately change its structural property, then we would all crumble to pieces every time we walked, so that I ran or jumped yeah. or, or used the resistance loaded movement. Um, so hopefully that gets a few people. Uh, thinking, hopefully it, it uh, rustles a few jimmies, maybe. Um, who cares? Um, I guess a lot of these things come back to the basic analogy. You've got to remember, our body is so strong and resilient to these sorts of things. Is yeah, Like you said, a piece of foam really going to change yeah. the integrity of the muscle? Is it really going to release certain things? It might feel like it does. It might reduce that feeling for a little bit, but when we look at it, it yeah, really sure. isn't changing much. Um, so, yeah, we just got to sort of bring it back sure. to base and really strictly strip things back and just really question things. Um, I guess that's the biggest thing that we've always done uh, practically, theoretically. We've always questioned things and gone, is that really necessary or is 
there are a better way of doing that. Um, so I guess, yeah, always yeah, question what you're going to do. Question why. It's always interesting. So before you go to the gym, why, ask yourself why. Why am I doing why am I doing this foam rolling for the next 10 minutes? Can I, can I start squatting without doing this? And it'd be interesting to see what, what people sort of get out of that. See what, the, see if anything changes, I guess. Mm. It's the most um, interesting part. Do they feel any different? And I guess, like you said, with the, the keys example, it's, yeah. is I guess the biggest thing is try not to overthink about it while you're doing it. Just get into the gym, get under the bar and see what happens. I like You're so wise. <laughs> You're very wise. Well, Mr. Uh, you know, wise uh, clinician, yep. I had a question to throw to you that's going to challenge uh, our bias a little bit, which is that of exercise. Um, you know, I think we can we can kind of move to, to manual modalities if it goes there, but we'll start with exercise because it'll probably be the hardest one for us. But um, I, I gave an example of if you were engaging in a recreational activity, training included, but let's think, you know, uh, golf, sports, whatever it might be, uh, and you've got this particular subset of, of exercises, um, or even if we strip it back to that, and, you know, like I've had people come into to the clinic, um, at the, you know, at the uni and be like, oh, uh, my back feels great until I stop exercising. Um, you know, are we inadvertently creating a reliance on exercise? Now, I'm not saying this is a bad thing because, you know, I, I think, like, well, I really don't have to get into the positives of exercise. I, I hope anyone, you know, listening to this understands that exercise is good for you. If you don't, um, maybe read a book. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, I probably just offended off all both of our listeners, but whatever. <laughs> They'll be back. Um, yeah, oh, mate, can't get enough. Um, and all both of our listeners, by the way, uh, Adrian and I, so we're still going to um, <laughs> No, so, but, like, in coming back to what I was saying, to really challenge our bias and to, to kind of challenge this, are we creating a reliance on exercise where, you know, people might inadvertently come into this culture of, well, if I don't exercise my back is going to hurt, my pain is yeah. going to up, I'm going to have a flare-up. Uh, and then, you know, if there's a circumstance, you know, uh, family circumstance, financial circumstance, whatever it could be that prevents this person from exercise, you know, have we inadvertently just set this person up? Yeah, I guess it's, it's interesting to uh, you know, to raise that question. I guess it's a bit like all the other sort of modalities we are talking about before. I guess we could be. Um, I think the biggest thing is the education behind it. I guess it's not specifically exercise that we should be pushing but it's more movement i guess i guess the old the the saying that we did uh, last week was motion is lotion it's i guess it doesn't always have to be set regimented structured exercise um we just got to remember we just got to sort of because it comes back to the education behind it is yes we know resting too long is not great but we also know you do need a bit of rest and recovery but then we also know we need to exercise or move. So if we're not moving, we need to start exercising. And if we're not exercising, we need to be moving in some sort of capacity, I guess. So it's just, yeah, yeah, just educating them. If they're going to sit down all day, of course they're going to have a sore back, okay? Go for a walk for an hour. You should, be, you should feel a little bit better, I guess. 
And then if you if walking's off for you and you need that structured exercise, then structured exercise. But I guess we don't. Yeah, we don't want to sort of ram at home, being like, oh, you need to exercise, otherwise your back's like not going to get better. Blah blah blah. I guess it's yeah, it comes back to yeah, really. I guess putting that positive spin on 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 the benefits of exercising, but then also the benefits of moving. Um, and not to yeah, like you said, have this reliance on on eat or on on the exercise or the structured exercise. Um, I guess you're talking more about structured exercising, aren't you? In terms of, uh, I think yeah, yeah. But I think it'd be interesting if we let's just open this up to you know, like let's say for example, uh, one of the things we tell people is to keep active. Um, we know people that are more active. Um, you know, are going to be better off in the long run, etc., etc., etc. You know, what if by doing this, we're setting up this belief of, uh, you know, hey, if you stop exercising, your pain's going to go up, and we've inadvertently created yeah. uh, a reliance on physical activity. No. Like I said, not that that's a bad thing, but if, if, like I said, like you know, with the foam rolling example, you're late to the gym, you can't foam roll. Uh, you know, life shit happens. Life happens. Uh, and you can't be physically active for a week, your activity diminishes. Uh, have we set this person up for a flare-up by telling them these things? Do we need to be more careful, uh, you know, in, yeah. you know careful yeah, and check I, our I own so. it's, it's Yeah, it's just, I guess it's all, yeah, like I said, it comes back down to how, we educate, how we're educating these people and, and the, the relationships we're forming between, between everything. You can have healthy and unhealthy relationship, relationships between exercise between sports between anything really between foods um so it's just yeah i guess we've got to sort of maintain that healthy relationship i, I don't really have a, a clear-cut answer on how we can do this i guess it's it's just an interesting yeah sort of question that you've brought up and i've never really sort of thought about it from that point of view but um yeah we potentially are and i guess <clears throat> it's only been really recently that people have really been pushing like oh you need to exercise for this this x y and z but yeah are we still are we doing the same thing going through the same sort of cycle that foam rolling did a few years ago and booty bands i guess they keep coming back for some reason i guess yeah we gotta so oh, I know, I know. yeah so it's, just, yeah, it's, just, it's really interesting and i guess it's something that we'll probably have to talk a little bit more and discuss a little bit deeper in terms of are we yeah creating an over reliance on exercise as well? Um, I, I don't really have a clear cut answer. What, what? How do you think we could prevent this? I guess. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> expecting a follow up question. <laughs> um, no, man. To be honest, I think you nailed it. Um, it was something you know that only like literally thought of it while I was going on my little foam rolling rant of like, am I being a, a tremendous hypocrite right now? Um, and I think, you know, I think like the one thing that, that we kind of said, we weren't really going to go down the route of this podcast. Uh, I think I can't remember if you said this, but you know, it was getting into, um, I guess somewhat reliance on healthcare and seeing your practitioner too frequently, because I think that's been dealt yep. with in a ton of podcasts. Yeah, um, I mean, like, if it's something people want to hear us talk about, then let us know. But there's been that many podcasts that have talked about how often should we see patients and all this kind of stuff that, you know, like, if we were to do something about it, we'd be flogging a, flogging a horse that's already been, been beaten pretty severely. Um, <laughs> it's not dead yet, but, you know, it's still kicking. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of thought of it and I thought, well, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head is it's the, the education. Like that's, that's where the education really comes, comes to life and becomes quite powerful. I think, you know, I'd, I'd really echo what you just said in saying that, you know, if we educate people, um, about these things, we educate people that exercise is good for X, Y, and Z reason. Um, we exercise, you know, we educate people that physical activity is good, but we we do it through, and we've had this conversation before. Um, we do it through yeah, that's positives, right. not through negatives. You know, it's as simple as to use a extreme example. Uh, it's as simple as you know, telling someone who's at very high risk of a heart attack to exercise for health and longevity and for life not telling them yeah. to exercise so they don't die. Um, you know, that way we're creating uh, creating a, a, a positive relationship, relationship yeah, that's with exercise right. that is based on the mutual... Exactly right. It's mutually beneficial, uh, whereas it's yeah. not... I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and I think that's what... You know, I guess, I guess I that's think, what yeah, the we need to get away from healthcare system has in a way done over the years is, yeah, fear-mongering. If you don't do this, you're going to die. If you don't do this, you're going to injure yourself. Um, I guess it's it's probably oh, for sure. an old school sales technique too for certain certain practitioners where if we scare this person into thinking yeah. this is going to happen, we can keep them for life. It's for life, and I guess we've got to remember like a lot of practitioners are running businesses, so they need to keep their clients and their patients on as long as possible. So I guess this is. I guess it's a, it becomes this vicious cycle where if this person becomes reliant on me, I'm making more money. If I'm making more money, I'm happier. I'm able to build my business. And um, and then it becomes, yeah, this vicious cycle where they just keep picking yeah. people up and using these techniques to sort of, yeah, yeah. become reliant on them. And it's, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess it sort of questions the ethics behind the reason why these people are in this field, but in the end, um, I think sure. we've just opened a whole can of worms. But <laughs> it's for sure. I was literally about to say, yeah, I think we should do that because... in a podcast on its own because, like, like we've we've had this conversation, had this, for, yeah, multiple you know, times, years now. Uh, so yeah. I think we could we could deal with that one. Uh, but I think the one thing I will will carry on from what you just said. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, people selling things because of, you know, creating fear uh, and things like that. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're really worried and fearful that you might be a practitioner that's doing that, uh, we're actually selling an essential oil that's going to make <laughs> you better. So it's 80 different... <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> um, no, I think it comes back yeah. to what I said earlier. Is like we should always question things, not only as, as, as people, but as practitioners. We should always question not only question what other people are doing and what other practitioners are doing, but also what we're doing and always try to like look at bettering ourselves in one way or another. I guess it could just be changing the way we speak to people in terms of their conditions or their injury and all that, but yeah. it can make a big difference and probably has greater outcomes in the end or more rewarding outcomes in the end. But um, we'll probably... Yeah. I guess yeah, man. I think probably um, summarize it. Yeah, I think so. I think we did. I think you you nailed that that last one. Um, and I think you've inadvertently decided <laughs> what our next podcast is going to be, which is, which is awesome. Um, all right. Do you want to go through and and wrap up with your 
I guess closing summary, closing yeah, remarks, sure. and I'll do I the guess, same. Um, we'll, uh, yeah, I guess week three. Yeah, biggest take home, I guess, out of this podcast is yeah, just we just got to realize: are we are we as practitioners, and are we as I guess people training and doing having a, doing a training? So, are we ever relying on these certain, I guess, rituals or uh, techniques before, after a session? Are we yeah reliant? Are we we creating this yeah this vicious cycle where we we can't get out of and we can't do a normal uh, our usual training session without doing it. So um, I guess yeah, biggest take take home point would be always question what we're doing. I guess ask yourself why why we're doing it from or why you're prescribing this to then why why am I prescribing it to and then how can I make that better or how can I be a better practitioner at, at that. Um, I think that's the biggest, most important thing is, yeah, we're always trying to better ourselves. And if we're creating this reliance on, I wouldn't say gimmicks, but <laughs> little little fads or, or things that we feel like are going to, are we really, um, I'm waffling on now. I'll, tell, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on, Mitch. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, really great points though. Um, I, I really agree with everything you just said, and I don't want to. Um, I don't want to repeat what Adrian just said about you know essentially being reflective, which is something you know we, we both advocate. So I'll kind of, which is what I was going to say, but he just took my, my point. Um, dick. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just say something different. Um, you know, in, oh man, I, I don't know. You just you nailed it. Um, Thanks. I don't know. Yeah, you did a good job. I guess the, the one thing I would say would be. You know, it, it kind of in line with what Adrian said, but my best piece of advice when it comes to anything like this is to ask yourself, ask your, your patient, client, ask whoever it is, athlete, uh, you know, this thing that you that you do and you enjoy and, you know, it makes you feel better. Um, if I take it away from you, uh, are you still okay? Are you still going to be able to uh, complete the task at hand? Um, are you still going to be able to... So carry out your workout, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or is it going to impact you? Uh, if it's going to impact you, then it might be something that I kind of refer to as like a task-dependent self-efficacy, which, you know, you know, is, is something in and of itself that we can talk about later. Uh, and that's when it might need to be addressed. Like if you believe I cannot do this workout without, you know, I can't do this without stretching, foam rolling, whatever it is, then address it. If you can take it away and be fine. Yep. Happy days. Sounds good. All right. Uh, yeah, well, that's I think it. that's, uh, I think that's, us, that's done us done for, for this week. Made it to week three. three. Tracking well, tracking well. Only another four, what, 49 to go for the year. We're pretty much, yeah, we're pretty much on, on schedule. On schedule for one a week for the rest of the year, which is pretty good. Going all right. Well, um, well, thanks, guys, again for listening. Um, like I said last week, if you have any questions, any questions, comments, um, review, feedback, whatever it is, feel free to comment or uh, message us on our Instagram page. Um, and then also our website, if you have any other deeper questions, feel free to email us and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, I guess that's us for another week. We'll see how we go next week.
Sounds good, yeah. And if anyone wants to buy an essential oil <laughs> or a Rethink Movement branded foam roller, um, eight easy installments of $99.99.99.99. Um, but yeah, thanks, guys. See ya.